Today on We Here, quarantine DJs are leaving Instagram after a crackdown on their live sets. Did Netflix oust its LGBTQ content exec over a high-profile interview? And Aretha Franklin once asked Kenneth Babyface Edmonds for dating advice. Coming up next on We Here. Oh my god. We're on page six? No. Uh-huh. No. Yeah. Another divorce splashed across page six. Page six would have a field day. Hey there, I'm Maggie Coglin. And I'm Ian Moore. And welcome to We Hear, a Page Six podcast. We hear all the celebrity dirt from our exclusive sources, and you hear the story behind the story. Maggie, we've got some great stories today. And as you could tell, I just jumped right in there. I'm jacked up on two thermoses so far of coffee and a number of Lara bars. Oh man, I've been jacked up on these live DJ sets. So what is going on? So Maggie, our own Carlos Greer at Page Six exclusively reported, um, I guess a week ago initially, he had a great story that these DJ sets on Instagram Live that have been keeping people sane and keeping people partying during isolation and social distancing are being shut down by Instagram. So you remember that DJ D Nice, I think, was the first DJ mm-hmm. who got a lot of headlines for having these Instagram live sets, which he called Club Quarantine. I think he called it Homeschool mm-hmm. at Club Quarantine. And a bunch of his celebrity friends started tuning into this. Remember, it was like Naomi Campbell first. And then it just caught on fire where he literally had thousands and thousands of people packed in virtually to this. Instagram live set from Michelle Obama was there and Joe Biden was there, Oprah Winfrey, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, Jimmy Fallon. It was like all these stars. And then other DJs also started getting a lot of attention for doing these really cool DJ sets. And I've been listening. Have you listened to any of them or checked them out? Yeah, I mean, I was watching all the D-Nice stuff at the beginning, and now I've been watching all the battles, like the versus battles. Right, so Swizz Beats and Timbaland mm-hmm. had started the that versus series where they have... Yeah, and last prominent- night they had 112 and Jagged Edge, where I was just waiting for them to play like every song I heard at a Sweet 16 in the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it has been great. The other thing that I love about these Instagram live sets is that Unlike Zoom, no one or FaceTime, no one can see you. So I like that you can you can be up in the like I was listening to one set by a great DJ and a friend, Marjorie DJ Mad Marge Goobelman. And I was thinking, where how could I be up in the club? And I was also roasting a chicken at the same time. Usually you wouldn't do those two activities together. Totally. Although I will say for me, I'm like, let me make a drink. You know, on Saturday night, I was watching Beanie Man and Bounty Killer and drinking red wine in my kitchen. And I was like, this feels on brand what I would be doing if I was at an actual show. (laughs) Totally. So these sets have been going on. They started in, I think, March. But what's been happening lately is that they've been getting cut short the DJs have noticed that Instagram has been flagging their sets and then kicking them off Instagram Live. And the reason is because Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, has licensing agreements with the record labels and and music publishing companies. 
And basically, you're not allowed to play a song for more than a certain number of seconds on Instagram Mm -hmm. where you're running afoul of these copyright agreements. So Instagram is actually policing the DJ sets. And then once a DJ plays, you know, too much of a song, they they kick them off. So for example, that versus battle that you mentioned, Swizz Beats had warned, um, you know, the DJs doing it, don't play more than 90 seconds of a clip. And I've noticed that on some of the other sets, the DJs have been saying like, well, we're going to try and get not get kicked off and they try and play shorter songs. But of course, you can't play 10 second clips of songs and keep changing the songs. So they're getting kicked off. Instagram or sources close to Instagram uh, <laughs> said in Carlos's report that, hey, we don't want to kick anyone off. People can use Facebook's own library of royalty-free music and, and sound effects. So you can go ahead and use that. But those songs are by, they're kind of like unknown songs that maybe sound a little bit like other songs, or they're songs where the copyright has lapsed because they're in the public domain. So these are songs that maybe you would have heard if you cranked up your Victrola in the early 1900s or something mm-hmm. or 20s. But you know, you're not going to find Beyonce, Rihanna, and Justin Timberlake songs in the royalty-free music library. So the DJs are now kind of in a tough spot. They're trying to move these DJ sets to other platforms. And Questlove even posted a pretty articulate and heartfelt plea to Instagram basically saying, listen, what the DJs are heroes right now. What we are performing is essential. This is keeping people calm and, you know, happy during a really otherwise very difficult time. Can you just drop this, you know, the policing and the cutting off of these DJ sets for Mm -hmm. now? But so far that hasn't worked. And it's pretty frustrating. I mean, I was watching one of the sets on... I think Saturday and the DJ just basically just kept getting cut off and you have to come back on and it kind of sucks. That does suck. I feel like these sets are bringing people so much joy and it's this idea that you're all collectively participating in the same thing and it's given way to like so many good jokes in the comments too. Yeah, it's really fun. And like I said, you can see all the people who are in there. I think it's also a difficult situation for Instagram because Obviously, Instagram is branded as this kind of cool media platform, but in reality, it is a large corporation that's owned by Facebook, you know, just like any other giant company, and it's beholden by these licensing agreements. But it looks like some DJs have found a loophole. Yeah, Maggie. So um, two DJs, Gene Gray and Don Will, who are based in Brooklyn, saw Carlos's item in page six um, and saw that sources close to Instagram, you know, responded, well, you could use our free library of Facebook music. So they tried to do a DJ set of only Facebook's library of music and sound effects. (laughs) And it was so amazing. Like it literally was like one of the song, one of the jams that they were playing at this DJ set was kind of recognizable as like the Mr. Softy ice cream jingle. You could you could probably spit some hot fire over that beat. Yeah, the ice cream jingle was pretty good. And then they were like using all these crazy sound effects over it. 
And then they had like, there was sort of music kind of from like that you might hear at like a state fair kind of carnival. There was some <laughs> carny music up in there. There was um, some really like old timey songs, which sort of sounded borderline offensive or at least really antiquated. Um, there were also some artists who they kind of do royalty free music that sounds like other artists. So one of the best jams that Don Will and Jean Grey played in this royalty-free DJ set was this song that um, Don Will described as sort of a mashup of like a, a, like a Nate Dogg, James Bond kind of tune. <laughs> and it comes on and the and like the, a rapper comes on and he's like, yo, what's up? This is Secret Agent 23 Skidoo. And, that, and then there's like a Nate Dogg's like kind of a, a Nate Dogg ripoff kind of hook where he's like, let's go deep inside your mind and deeper than you've ever been. I was watching this DJ set and I was literally crying with laughter. Um, a lot of people were commenting that they should get their own SNL skit because they're also amazing and it was so funny. But I thought it actually, it started off and it was just really cool and funny. Then it was funny enough to definitely be an SNL skit. But then I think that it transcended into performance art. I mean, it was something that like Marina Abramovich doesn't have anything on this duo. They could do that at like the Whitney Museum or something for 24 hours. <laughs> the free sound effects that you could use during the DJ set, besides the usual like gunshots and air horns were like <laughs> and like <laughs> like a car horn be like I can't stop. I basically I am now reenacting the royalty free DJ set for you, but it was totally brilliant. So at least DJs are having fun with it. Netflix has let go of Fran Torado, who was the streaming giant's brand and editorial strategy lead for LGBTQ content after just 10 months. But his exit comes shortly after the New York Times released a profile about him. That's right, Maggie. Fran Torado was an editor at Out Magazine, and then he jumped to Netflix, and he was the head of their LGBTQ plus content, um, including working on promoting the Ryan Murphy produced documentary Circus of Books, which is on Netflix right now. Interesting documentary working on their pride initiatives and um, and other projects. And then he left after 10 months. That left some people wondering if his departure had to do with this New York Times profile on him that ran a couple weeks ago. There was a kind of splashy uh, New York Times business section story on him, which detailed a, it was a work diary but it detailed a full week of work. You know, usually you kind of see those work diaries and it might be a day in the life of Maggie Coughlin. And it's like mm -hmm. 5 a.m. work <laughs> out, work on my documentary about baby cheetahs. Yeah, that's exactly what mine would be like, quite honestly. You know? So in his case, he did this um he did this story. It was a cool story. There was a nice photo of him that ran with it, but it was a pretty open and honest kind of work week. I mean, he he did reveal some things about some of the projects he was working on and and but everything down to like what meals he was eating and his workout right. schedule. And but because we're in a pandemic, I feel like he was 
very transparent. Like, this is actually a great read because he's saying everything, you know, about 11.30 p.m. on a Monday. I am too high to do my nighttime skincare routine. Time for bed. <laughs> it's like a captain's log. He, yeah, he, he he mentioned other shows, you know, which is sort of unusual. Like he said that he was kind of confused by FX's show, Mrs. America, but I'd do anything for Kate Blanchett. And then I turn to watch the first episode of HBO's run because it's free on YouTube. That's the Phoebe Waller-Bridge show. He even talked about the chief executive at Netflix one morning was doing a Q&A, but he said, I skip it you know, to write. And it was this very, it was very funny and appealing and revealing. But the timing is a little strange that this big profile came out. And then suddenly he leaves after 10 months from this kind of high profile position and a very cool job. So people are wondering if did the New York Times profile and what he said in it have to do with his leaving the company? And did Netflix know about the New York Times profile in advance? Because, Mm. you know, as you know, I mean, that's the thing is Netflix very similar, similarly to what we were saying about Instagram in the previous segment. It's like, you know, you think of Netflix, it's another kind of techie startupy company, which you think of as West Coast and cool. But it's also a huge company. It's publicly traded. They're very private about their information. Unlike the networks, for example, you know, Netflix ratings aren't publicly shared unless they decide to share ratings with people. So while the interview was entertaining and revealing, I guess some people are noticing that maybe it's not really in step with the type of publicity that Netflix usually does. You know, for example, talking about calls that you had with Ryan Murphy, Netflix is in this like multi-hundred million dollar deal with Ryan Murphy. He's the biggest producer, biggest TV producer in Hollywood. So usually you wouldn't necessarily have people maybe talking about the projects he's working on. If you, I guess if you were talking about that, would you need to clear that with him? When Mara Siegler, who reported this story for us, contacted Netflix, they would only comment that he's no longer with the company. And when she reached out to Toronto, he said that he basically can't say anything more than what he's already said on social media and that's it. So hopefully someone else will see this profile as a positive and say like, hey, this is the type of executive that we want. I think maybe after the New York Times profile, he probably have a lot of job offers. It's just not going to be continuing to work for Netflix for whatever the reason is that he left after 10 months. Mm. And I also wonder how the execs at Netflix felt about him, you know, giving some shine to projects on their competitor sites. Like you have a Hulu shout out here. He talks about watching something free on YouTube, you know, like he talks about a good number of Netflix projects, but do you really want someone who works for you kind of uh, spotlighting your competitors works? Yeah, that's what caught my eye. I just think, you know, I know that people in Hollywood are, they're very sensitive about these things, like things that I think are kind of an off the cuff comment about another show. You know, there might be a reason that, you know, and, and I don't know this in this particular circumstance, but it's just rare that you would see an executive at a movie studio or a TV production company sort of talking about just their 
opinions about other networks and other shows unless there was a specific reason. Usually when you see these Q&As or these interviews, you know, everything that they're saying is this media trained reason for saying mm -hmm. this just seemed much more unvarnished. This was his unvarnished opinion. And you just usually would not see a studio executive talking that way, I guess, unless it was someone who was really the head, you know, unless it's a Bob Iger mm -hmm. kind of doing a, a Q&A. But even then there when you're dealing with a publicly traded company, I think you're usually thinking as a media executive that everything you say could have some sort of ramifications. I think in his case, it sounded more like if you were the editor, if you were an editor at Out Magazine, I think you'd have a little more freedom to speak your mind. It turns out that Aretha Franklin once asked Kenneth Babyface Edmonds for relationship advice. Who knew? Seems like a good guy to go to. Yeah, I guess Babyface said that he was performing at a concert with Aretha Franklin five years ago, and that when they were privately together in the dressing room backstage, she asked everyone else to leave so she could ask Babyface a question. Yeah, and she said it's because he writes all these love songs. She said, I'm seeing this gentleman and I'm going and I'm going to tell you some of the things he's been doing and I'm trying to decide if I want to date him or not. Babyface said, I wouldn't trust this gentleman. About a month later, he got a call and Aretha told him, you were right, face. He wasn't the one. This also shows why Aretha, the queen of soul, mm. is she's so smart in this case because if you were going to get dating advice from anybody, baby face, that's a good option. That's a great option. And I mean, you know, Aretha is like in her feels all the time. So it's like the heart of Aretha Franklin, the songwriting experience of baby face, the power duo of these two having this discussion. I would go with baby face's advice every time. Right. The only thing is baby face sort of left out because he does say in there, he talked about this anecdote as part of an Instagram live event that he did for the 25th anniversary of mm -hmm. Exhale soundtrack for which he produced and wrote 16 original songs. Hopefully he owned the copyright to those songs if they wanted to play any of them on this Instagram live <laughs> celebration, or he could have gotten kicked off according to our initial story. But, um, it seems like he left out a little bit about, so Aretha says to him like, hey, I want to ask you about this dude. But then he did, He it seems like from our item, he did omit that what she told him where he said that this gentleman mm. was not the one for her. She must have told him a little extra details about what this gentleman in question was doing to make Babyface realize that he was not the one for the queen of soul. Ian, if you had to go to any famous person for advice on matters of the heart, who would you go to? Oh my God, that's such a great... Somebody besides Babyface? Yeah, he's already been taken by Aretha. We got to come up with some new names. Relationship advice from a yeah. famous celebrity. I mean, the weird thing is like your knee-jerk reaction is Oprah. But then again, it's like this thing with Stedman seems weird. I mean, her relationship advice is like, 
have this person you're not married to like live out back in the guest house. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, I was watching a video on Oprah's Instagram where Stedman ate all of the banana bread that was made. And it's like, yeah, this guy has got to go. He did not leave you one slice of the banana bread. Come on. Come on, Uncle Stead. Stedman took her banana bread? Yeah, she posted this whole video of her and two young ladies that she's quarantining with where they're asking him, like, Uncle Stead, they call him, did you eat all the banana bread? And he's like, yeah, I ate all of it. It was great. Like, I left none. I'm like, Stedman, think of the women in the house wanting the banana bread. By the way, I also saw, because Oprah, I think, has been posting a bunch of videos of her cooking and stuff. And there was one thing, though, I don't want to call oprah out but she was did you see this one where she was like stirring she is the this beautiful i mean i don't even cook but she had this like amazing kitchen i mean even though sure i was with does, yeah. a dj set but the chicken by the way maggie was on a charcoal i was grilling the chicken on a barbecue and it oh. was wrapped in bacon oh my god that sounds incredible yeah she was, in. it was a, I, i'm gonna send you a picture of it maybe we can post it on so wait so 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 we got to wrap this up, Maggie, but I have yeah. two things to say. One Go. is Oprah was stirring this pasta dish that looked amazing in her chair. But the way she was stirring it, I sort of felt like there was a team of professional chefs that had come in and like made this amazing thing. And then they have it all set up for her. And then she comes in and she's like, I'm making dinner. And she takes a wooden spoon and she kind of <laughs> pokes at this amazingly. Like Andrew Carmelini was there like doing everything else. And then does she come in? Because the way she was stirring it was like, you're not that familiar with this dish. And like, you had nothing to do with this. And you don't really, your stirring technique, because she was like dancing and stirring. And you're like, you know how to dance, but you don't know this stirring is suspicious. What's your second point before we My have to point is, I know the person I would go to for romantic advice and marriage advice. I figured it out. My celebrity confidant. Who? Jeff Bridges. Oh, that's a good one. Woo. Right? Yeah. The dude. The dude. He's been married. Like, you know what I mean? He's been yeah. married. He's been in the game. You know what I'm saying? He's a grizzled veteran of the game. Mm-hmm. The game needs Jeff Bridges to come out with some advice. I think that's his next move. You know who would be bad to go to for romantic advice, I think? Every other celebrity because people cannot stay in a relationship in Hollywood? The game. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wow. I haven't even thought about the game in years. You're blowing my mind. Thank you, Nation 23. Skadoo. What up? That is it for this episode of We Here. Our show is produced by Jamila Zara Williams and Melissa Caceres. We would love to hear your questions, your ideas, your thoughts, anything. Just email us podcasts at nypost.com. To hear the latest We Here episodes, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. And please do not forget to leave us a review. We love them and we need things to read in quarantine. We will be back tomorrow with more Page Six exclusives. See you then.